to the show. You're listening to the WE Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. It's a very exciting episode. This is episode number four, and I get to have a conversation with one of my very closest friends for a long time. I won't say how many years, because you'll know how old I really am. (laughs) Uh, Heather Williams joins me today and we talk candidly about friendship and growth, uh, divorce, things that we have been through separately, but also journeyed together over the many, many years and just how important those pivotal relationships and people are in our lives. Heather has definitely been one of those people for me and I've learned so much from her from the day that we met. Uh, She's taught me a lot about being vulnerable, being yourself, speaking up, not being afraid of what other people think and just how important it is to speak your truth and to have a voice. Also, please bear with me. This is the first time I have ever done an in person interview. So at the beginning, the sound is a little uh, sketchy. <laughs> That's a word I can use. <laughs> but please bear with me. It's an amazing interview and you'll definitely want to make it through all the way to the end because Heather just has such a beautiful heart and shares so much growth and knowledge and wisdom with us today. So let's dive in and listen to my conversation with Miss Heather. Today, I have Heather Williams here with me. This is the first time I'm doing an interview in person. It's super exciting because Heather is uh, my best friend since sophomore year year of high school. Yes, forever, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. (laughs) It has been a long time. So over the years, we've gone through lots together good things, bad things. We were just talking about that before we started and press record. Uh, It's been a journey for sure. And that's why it's so exciting for me to have you here because I feel like you have been a vital part of my growth, my process, my figuring out my voice. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel the exact same way, as you know. I've always been able to find comfort in you. You're kind of like coming home, actually. No. That makes me. Uh, this, see, the thing about doing this in person is you're like totally going to make me. <laughs> we can hold hands. <laughs> <in this process. laughs> That's so funny. I mean, we might, you might uh, you know, be really good at it. We are face to face. (laughs) Yes. So before we kind of dive in, I mean, mean, the the goal of today, I think, is really to talk about um, the importance of our girlfriends and our friendships and uh, what those friendships can teach us and why they're so important. But also, I want to know, I want people who are listening to know a little bit about you as well. So do you want to tell us just a an overview of kind of who are you and... <laughs> sure. Okay. So I, I was born and raised in Loveland, Colorado, and I have a younger brother. Um, so I'm the oldest child, and I'm the typical oldest child. I was always <laughs> the rule follower, the pleaser. My brother was the rebel and super needy as a child. And um, then... Did um, you just call yourself a rule follower? Yes, I know. <laughs> but I've definitely bent a few rules, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Or created my own. <laughs> when I was younger, uh-huh. I was definitely a rule follower. Um, and then... I think in my teen years, that's kind of when I 
starting to test the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, that became like a habit. <laughs> for a few years. Well, that's the only, I didn't know you when you were younger. Right. So, so you're shocked by that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on a second. Because you really taught me to push the boundaries in a good way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got into some trouble sure. together back in the day. And if you ever want dirt on me, Heather's the one to ask. Never. I would never. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I, when I was younger, I was a real follower. And then I, you know, did the typical teenage girl rebellion. But but even even when I was rebelling, I was still kind of a role follower. Like, you know, I still cared about getting, getting the good grades and like being responsible and trustworthy and um, you know, wanting to be friends with as many people as possible, mm-hmm. like keeping the mm-hmm. peace with my family and with my friendships and, um, you know, working a lot and just, just kind of following general social rules. Mm-hmm. And then, um, when I was in high school, I fell hard and fast for the town bad boy. <laughs> um, and nobody could talk me out of it, including myself. And that was hard because I really got disconnected from my core and who I was and, um, you know, compromised a lot of myself and my friendships and my family. Um, but I thought I was going to save him, you know, mm-hmm. he had a lot of pain and struggles and I didn't see his family really trying to pull him through that. So I took it upon myself to try to be that person for him and, um, kind of got lost along the way, and um, then we went off to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah and I lived in a dorm together with two <laughs> other girls. Um, then I tried to do the whole college experience, but I was very distracted by that relationship and working, you know, three jobs and just trying to hold it all together. And um, didn't just kind of lost focus and ambition and hope and a lot of other things and. You were there through that process, but you were like really in the college experience. So I feel like that's kind of when I like pulled away at that point um, and and really just kind of like lost myself in trying to save him. And I decided that I couldn't hold it all together anymore. And I wasn't having the college experience that I wanted to have. So I made a decision to drop out and I was just going to take some time off and then I even thought about leaving the state to try to get away from that relationship because I didn't really know how to get away from it staying here. Mm-hmm. And then I found out I was pregnant. So called you. You were probably the second person <laughs> to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, and told you and shared my news with you. And um, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said in my first podcast that I was the first one to get pregnant, which is not true. It was you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. You had Aubrey eight months after I had kids. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I instantly knew in that moment that I was, you know, it was no longer just me. I was going to be a mother. And so, um, I had to, I had to get it together and, um, had a pretty, pretty challenging pregnancy, um, emotionally and physically was still trying to make it work with the dad, um, which, you know, wasn't a very good choice, but thought it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, I, that's something I'm going to stop you real sure. quick. That's okay. I, that's something we really, really, really had in common. I think mm-hmm. back then was a complete lack of self-worth or ability to see what we deserved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, now when I think back to those years, I don't even recognize the, the woman that I was mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. Because who I am now would, like it seems so easy to me now mm-hmm. to, to see it, you know, as a black and white thing. Like I would never tolerate or accept anything even close to that. Right. Um, but in, in that time, so much of my self-worth was tied up in everybody but myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could just get him to show up mm-hmm. and be healthy, uh, that meant that I was worthy. Right. And so it was just this vicious spiral. And um, so then I had my daughter and I I had her, let's see, I was five months pregnant for my 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember taking him out for a year. <laughs> for my 21st. <laughs> 
taught Kaylee, and then that's kind of when things really started to shift for me because it wasn't about me anymore; it was about her. Mm -hmm. And um, we had we had we lived together for a couple of months after she was born, and we were having a verbal altercation. And I remember holding her on my hip, and she wasn't even phased by the the altercation. And that was it for me. I remember having this epiphany that I didn't want this to be normal for my child. Mm -hmm. And that's when I called my parents and I said, I needed them to come and get me. And we packed up my stuff and I left and tried to make it work with him off and on after that, but never lived together again. Um, and a couple of years, I think Kaylee was too, when I finally really cut the cord. Um, and throughout that process, I was taking little baby steps mm -hmm. to do some healing and growing. And it became a little bit easier as time went on because of Kaylee and my relationship with her. Um, and I was, I was developing new friendships and new relationships. And so I was starting to get a glimpse of what healthy relationships looked and felt like. Mm -hmm. And then when I met uh, Kaylee's stepdad, my now ex-husband, um, that, that was it for me because he was the, the opposite of Kaylee's dad. Mm -hmm. and, Isn't it funny how we do that? Like oh, yeah. go from one extreme to another. Yes. And I needed that, right? Like he was, there was nothing chaotic about him. Um, he was safe. He was stable. He was calm. He was, uh, you know, he had an adult job and he was independent and, um, thoughtful and he he wasn't um, you know distracted with other things and so I fell super hard and super fast and really what um, I fell for was his relationship with Kaylee and the two were inseparable mm -hmm. um, and that was so appealing to me yeah mm -hmm. so again it wasn't about you mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what you truly needed, which I think we do too, right? We, we grow and you were growing through this time, but still not fully to a place where you could say, this is great for her, mm -hmm. but it doesn't fit for me. And that's okay. You know, I keep looking for somebody who's a good fit for both of us. Right. Just kind of, I don't know. Oh yeah, I still hadn't done any any work on myself at that point, really. Like mm -hmm. I, I really hadn't gotten to that place yet, um, and I didn't have to. I had a really good distraction mm -hmm. because um, you know I was able to make it be all about Kaylee, and that was so right. safer and easier. Yeah, um, than than really having to dig deep and tap into my own stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like thinking about those days. Yeah, it's so cool that you know. Gosh, we really have been through so, so much mm -hmm. together. But when you met him, and but I can totally see what you're what you're saying that it was about. And I felt that way at times too. Like this person would be such a good person for my daughter, mm -hmm. but not a good fit for me necessarily. So. You got married. I did. Uh-huh. Yes. You were in my <laughs> wedding. I was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun together, and uh, we built a life together, mm -hmm. and he was a great dad to Kaylee, and then we had our second daughter uh, when Kaylee was almost five, and we were a family of four and it was safe and stable and we were adulting and having fun on the weekends mm -hmm. and um yeah life was good life was good mm -hmm. and yet i still hadn't done any of the work right me mm -hmm. <laughs> yes so years go by and there's these obvious things that I see and feel happening where I'm either holding back saying things or holding back on doing things because I have to in order to exist in the dynamic of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was getting to a place where I was very uncomfortable and I had this like nagging in my stomach and in my heart. And I tried exploring that with him. I really, really wanted to 
I wanted to stay married. Mm-hmm. And I loved him and I loved to, you know, our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to get him to dig deep with me. And right. he didn't want to. Um, and so we fought that dynamic yeah. for a long time. And we were hurting each other along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, because his stance was, this is who I am. This is who I've always been. And this is who I'm going to remain. Right. And for me, I was on a trajectory of growth and self-discovery. And so he became very fear-based mm-hmm. because I was changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and often the theme was, you're not the person I married. And I certainly wasn't. Right. So we struggled through that for, I would say, the second half of our marriage. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't toxic in the sense that my first relationship was. Mm-hmm. So I still wasn't really picking up on the fact that it wasn't where either one of us maybe should be. Mm-hmm. Even though I think I kind of always knew that mm-hmm. deep down in my core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we um, had the last couple of years of our marriage were, it became more and more obvious as each year passed by. Um, I'm sure that you were, I mean, I know I called you and <laughs> shared yes. that with you. We had many conversations for sure. It was kind of like, you just hit this place where you decided to work on yourself mm-hmm. and to grow and to gain new awareness and move forward differently in life. Mm-hmm. and. It's hard, and that's probably actually one of the questions I get the most from people is, what do I do when my spouse isn't growing or they don't want to grow? It's hard. It's very, very hard. It's painful because here I was trying to explore my own growth, but I felt bad about it Mm -hmm. because I was hurting someone Mm -hmm. because of that. And so my instinct was to just repress whatever my needs were because that's what I had always done mm-hmm. and just stay in it because it's the right thing to do. But then I was physically getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple of surgeries and I, I don't know, like I just really feel like body, mind, spirit is all tied together. Yeah. And I think my body was reacting mm-hmm. to my emotions. And so I would physically get sick and all of my physical illnesses were related to my female body parts Mm. and um I I just really feel like it was all kind of tied together because I was resisting and I wasn't being true to me and my body kept telling me like you have to figure this out yeah Um, yeah time and time again well because I remember distinctly a conversation we had where you I think you knew Mm -hmm. long before you ever took the steps to do what you knew within your heart you needed to do or mm-hmm. what was right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably years. It was. It was. And and I was able to share that with him, um, you know, towards the end. And that was really hurtful for him. I felt like I was sharing that with him along the way, but he wasn't hearing me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really painful too. Because mm-hmm. at the end, he really did want to show up and try to work through it. But I feel like he wasn't willing to do that over the course of our relationship. And, and, you know, I'm a firm believer that our kids pick up on that stuff, even though we were not screaming, yelling at each other, mm-hmm. they, they weren't having the best with both of us. And I know that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I buried myself in my work. I looked for all the projects. I was traveling a lot. I was working late, um, just to feel fulfilled in some way. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't showing up in all the ways that my children needed to meet me to, or my friends needed me to, or my husband needed me to. Mm-hmm. And it's like he never noticed that. And that in and of itself was hurtful too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I got to a place where as the girls were getting older, the urgency felt stronger and stronger and stronger because our children were growing up. I felt like we were not growing anymore as a couple. And I was living with one foot out the door. And I, didn't, I just didn't want that for any of us. I felt like he deserved better and I deserve better and our children deserve better. And um, I have friends. We both know people whose parents are still married because it's the right thing to do. And right. they are not they are not growing and loving. Right. They're yeah. bitter and angry. And, and miserable. Miserable. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. And so. Can I ask you something? Yes. Um. And you can tell me if you're not okay with this question, (laughs) but 
I think too, something pivotal happened in your marriage that I were not in your marriage, but during your marriage that I think encouraged you to stay mm -hmm. with him. Do mm -hmm. you know what I'm referring to? The suicide? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as I was getting ready to finally have the courage to sit down and talk to my husband about, you know, we're, we need to get divorced. It's the most loving thing we can do for each other. Um, Kaylee's biological dad committed suicide um, in December of 2012. And that rocked all of our worlds, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. Kaylee was 12. And um, I got the phone call when I was outside and Justin was in the garage. And thankfully, our kids were with Justin's parents. Um, but that that was to me like I needed to reshift my focus. It was no longer about me anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Justin and I needed to be in a fight front and be there for Kaylee and uh, JC. And we rallied. We rallied hard. And I put everything else on the back burner and just did whatever we needed to do to exist throughout that aftershock mm -hmm. of losing her biological dad to suicide. And yeah, I, I, I thought for a while. So after, after Brian died, we had actually already started an adoption process where Kaylee had gone to her biological dad and said, you know, Justin has raised me mm -hmm. since I was two and a half and you're daddy Brian, but he's my dad and, mm -hmm. and I want to be, I want to be his daughter. And if anything were to ever happen to my mom, I want to stay with him and my sister. Mm -hmm. And her biological dad actually blessed that. Mm -hmm. He gave her his permission and said that it hurt him, but he understood. And so we had started that process and then Brian died. Mm -hmm. And then the adoption was finalized in January of 2013. And um, I look back at those pictures now and I'm Everything happens for a reason, mm. um, and the timing of it is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, so we were this happy family. You know, we were doing whatever we could to love each other throughout that process and help Kaylee grieve and move on and cope and all of the other stuff. And, you know, shortly after, a couple months went by, there was that tug again. And mm -hmm. nothing had really changed except now we are living on the other side of that trauma and that loss. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, I think something did change in me because the urgency almost increased. Yeah. Like, life is too short and you're not living the truth. Yeah. So, so um, I decided to go spend a week with my girls in Arizona and visit my parents. And while I was there, I planned on talking or spending the week with my girls and just having fun. And then I was trying to talk myself into having the courage when I got back to talk to Justin because we were going to have a few weeks to be alone. The girls were going to stay in Arizona. I was going to come back to Colorado. And, um, I got a text from him one night while I was still in Arizona and it said, do you want to split up? Hmm. Totally out of the blue. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if it was liquid courage or, <laughs> you know, virtual courage right. or both, uh -huh. um, but it literally knocked the wind out of me. And I knew it was my opportunity mm. to start telling him the truth about my heart um, and I said, are we really going to do this over text? Mm -hmm. And it went from there. And we texted throughout the evening. And um, it was painful for both of us and shocking for both of us. Mm -hmm. But it was the first time he had ever had the courage to speak the truth to. Mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine how hard it was for him to initiate that conversation with me. Mm -hmm. But he felt it. He felt me pulling away. He felt me struggling and um, I'm grateful that the conversation was started because everything happened so quickly after that. When I got home from Arizona, we um, talked and we spent a couple of weeks just trying to work through that and process it. And I went out and looked for my own place 
and just happened to find the most perfect little home for the girls and I. Mm -hmm. And by the time the girls were coming back from Arizona, I had already moved out. Yeah, it was quick. It was I remember fully so moly. Everything <laughs> happened for us. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that when you are living your truth and when you're in alignment with your heart, whether it's pursuing your passions or you know, taking the next step. I, I think if you keep doing the next right thing, mm -hmm. things happen for you. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I just got goosebumps because throughout that process, all of the things that I thought would be impossible mm -hmm. happened so effortlessly. Mm -hmm. And it was just taking that first step. Mm -hmm. And it was hard and it was painful and it was scary. Yeah. It was so scary. Yeah. And and I was sick. Like, I lost a bunch of weight, and I wasn't sleeping, and I was so sad, and I was carrying his sadness and mine because there was still that piece in me that wanted to fix it for him, right. too. Yeah. Because I was hurting him, and the guilt. There was so much guilt. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we had to tell our children. Mm-hmm. So they got home from Arizona, and we took them to the park. And we sat down and we told them, and they both said, we knew you were going to say that. And they were 12, sorry, they were 13 and 8. Mm -hmm. So they knew. Yeah. And we had never talked about it in front of them or with them. We just knew. Right. Kids pick up on stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we lost Kaylee's dad to suicide. We went through divorce. Um, and then one of my best friends died of cancer mm -hmm. within that next year. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a lot of pain and a lot of growth and a lot of messing up and a lot of getting it right. Um, but I was on like this fast path mm -hmm. for growth, right? Because now I'm in my own space for the first time really ever. Yeah. And I was alone a lot for the first time really ever because we had split custody. Mm -hmm. So I'm at 50% of the time our daughters were with him. 50% of the time they were with me and I sat in my own poop <laughs> a lot, mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. And that was the first time I've really ever done that. Yeah. And I was 34. Wow. Yeah. And that's tough, man. Because I think I even said this in my last interview, like I spent a huge portion of my life either running, hiding, or numbing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. or, or for me it was always helping other people right like I was really good at well to me eating. yeah that's that's a way of hiding oh absolutely. like if everybody else is more important mm -hmm. you make everybody else's stuff mm -hmm. more important than yours then you can hide behind mm -hmm. it so for the first time and I think that's partly why why we were always so um close because we were doing the same thing Mm -hmm. And we were both pretty destructive, mm -hmm. self-destructive when we were younger. But I think we both got it, you know, to our core, what we were doing and yeah. that it was okay. But at the same time, we would have these deep conversations. And I remember <laughs> sitting on the phone with you for hours going through – um the song lyrics of CDs. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> we would. <laughs> We've always been deep. We would sit, we would go to Perkins like three nights a week and sit and talk for literally until they would close. Like yeah. Four hours. Hours. And drink way too much coffee. Yeah. And also smoke some cigarettes. <laughs> you have to that's back in the day when you could smoke in restaurants. Ew, so gross. <laughs> I think back, I'm like, oh my gosh. But we really were. We were self-destructive, but we found a kindred spirit in each other, I think, where we got it to the core. Mm -hmm. And and not to say, you know, that was okay, but it's so powerful to have somebody who understands. Oh, absolutely. But then there was different points where I think we really challenged each other to grow. So um, I think even back then, even when we were not really practicing self-love or 
even knowing that that was what we needed to work on. I think even back when we were teenagers, there were moments where we would like question each other. Mm -hmm. Really? You're going to think that or you're going to do that? And so I think it's always been an element Mm -hmm. that we would go and do something really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I think we've always had that depth. And I think for whatever reason, like you were super, super shy. I was super, super outgoing and obnoxious. And yet we like, I guess that's probably why we were like yin and yang and we balanced each other out and you, you grounded me and I brought you out. Oh, you totally did. Yeah. And I've always trusted that, like that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. I want to come back to your story, but it seems you brought it up. Um, I just remember what, so when I met Heather, I was like, and I've talked before on lots of stuff about how I had anxiety and, um, you know, still to this day, it's a, it's way better than it used to be for sure. But when I met you, I was so anxious, so shy, Mm -hmm. so withdrawn, um, (laughs) so cowboy, (laughs) cowboy, that is true. I did show horses though, so you it wasn't did. like fake cow. Yeah, we had a lot in common, but we were also polar opposites. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved how shy you were. You were kind of like a challenge for me. <laughs> <laughs> I loved making you laugh, Sarah. Yeah. Loved it. I still do. Oh, <laughs> well, you did make me laugh. <laughs> I still, um, yeah. You were the first person in my life ever to teach me that I had a voice and that my voice was important. And it's going to make me, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't have done this in person. (laughs) Um, And that it needed to be heard because that's, that was not how I grew up Mm -hmm. um, at all, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember you doing things like making me howl at the moon. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want me to do what? <laughs> I don't know. I might die. But still, to this day, you're that person for me. And when I started doing my videos and the podcast and my blog and all of that, you're the first person that... <laughs> ah, that I go to, and I just appreciate you so much for that. I just hope you know that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. I think what's interesting to me is you recently shared that with me. It was a few months back. Mm-hmm. And I truly had no idea. Like, I had no idea that that's, that I would, that's who I was to you. Mm-hmm. And I think it made me realize that it's so important for us to share with our people mm-hmm. who they are to us. And and give them the opportunity for them to see themselves through our eyes. Um, Because it's so easy to just assume that when we say, I love you, Mm -hmm. um, that that they know exactly what we mean. And I think if we're more intentional and more specific, it, it it meant so much to me when you actually took the time to share with me some specific things about me that you loved mm. and that mm-hmm. you value because I didn't even know yeah. that, that that's what it was to you mm-hmm. and it, it stuck with me. Yeah. So ever since you did that, thank you for that gift. Yes. I've really been trying to do that too, be more specific and intentional with sharing with my people why I love them and why I honor them mm-hmm. and what they mean to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I even really realized it. Until, recently. Until more recently. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, we've both definitely had journeys, uh, paths to growth for sure. Uh, but I've been a lot more intentional in the last few years of looking at my path and, and the people who have spoken to my life and been a part of that and how and uh, I think that's such an important piece too, because we, we forget, like we go mm-hmm. through life and we don't pay attention. Sometimes we need to go back so we can learn to bring in the, into the present and how we can honor things or have gratitude or 
do things differently sometimes. Right. right. I think that's another, so part of my growth after I left was experiencing all of that loss and it kind of like shook me to my core and um, it kind of redirected me a little bit. Like I need to get right with myself and then I need to reconnect with my people. Um, and then through losing Heather too, she taught me more than anyone I think really like show you have to show up all the time, all the time for yourself and mm-hmm. everyone else because the alternative is to just keep numbing yourself. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you, like you were always there for me through that, even though we weren't seeing each other all the time. Um, you, you're just like, you're part of the, the tribe, the foundation, um, and you make life less scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just such a sacred thing. Mm-hmm. Friendship. Yes. Mm. <laughs> it is. Very much so. <clears throat> well, um, I don't know. I think just the role, the role really that we've played in each other's lives is, and it took me a while to get to this place where I realized, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Like, for a long time, I think we both looked to men mm-hmm. to fulfill everything mm-hmm. within us. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you need to make me happy. You need to make me feel valuable. You need to fulfill every single need that I have. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it took a while to realize that, well, first of all, that's absolutely ridiculously impossible for any person to fill every need. But then also, there are things that I need that Nick will never be able to fulfill, Mm -hmm. that I need to fulfill within myself, or that my sacred friendships with you and the the village, the tribe, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's where those things need to come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, each friendship or relationship that we have is different. Um, but each person serves a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, like I have friends that uh, want to go on adventures with me and do the physical, like I like to be outdoors and hiking mm-hmm. and paddleboarding and all that. And so I have, you know, friendships that that's what our connection is. And mm-hmm. then I have friendships like with you and some of my other girlfriends where we connect emotionally and intellectually and mm-hmm. like go deep and we're like in it right and you leave feeling so lifted and inspired and and heard right and then you have relationships where it's it's a little bit more superficial but it's they serve that purpose and it's okay mm-hmm. and you don't mm-hmm. have to be put that because you're being fulfilled in other areas and um i think those all of those relationships become more possible when you learn how to accept all of yourself and your own limitations mm-hmm. and you're establishing healthy boundaries and the friendships or the relationships that I had in the past kind of started to fall away on their own Yeah, without me having to have some traumatic ending mm-hmm. because I, I was growing and changing so rapidly after I moved out that it just, it happened without even trying. Mm-hmm. And the people that were left were meant to still be in my life. And it wasn't because of anything we did or didn't do necessarily. It's just because we had these core things in common and we were having to work at it. You know, they could just meet me where I was and I could meet them where they were. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also believe in like the frequencies that we're putting out and, Mm. and that we receive what we give. Yeah. And I think that's part of that too. All of the things that weren't good for me and the people that, um, weren't good for me just kind of fell away Mm -hmm. and that that wasn't possible until I got to that place in myself Mm -hmm. so I feel like the bulk of my history was me ignoring that or resisting that and that's where all the the unhealthy choices and unhealthy relationships and illnesses came from and then once I started to really do that work, um, all that was left was the things that were good and nurturing and mm-hmm. authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're the first person that really 
said that to me. Said what? Like, um, it's okay that mm. this person doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah. Or it's okay that this, I, you were ahead of me in the, in that growth for sure. Yeah. Um, it's okay that not everybody is meant to be in your life. Right. Because I really went through a period also of significant loss. You did. Um, death, but also just people who were near and dear to me. Um, even though some of them were challenging relationships, mm -hmm. it's like um, loss. It's, it's major loss. And you definitely walked me through that in a lot of ways of, you know, not everybody is meant to be in your life. Mm -hmm. Well, and sometimes the most loving thing you can do for yourself and for that other person is to release them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that can be really scary and really hard. Yeah. But both people, I think, are better off mm -hmm. once you have that release and acceptance. Yeah. I was notorious for loving the potential of people. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. I still, I really still have to be mindful mm -hmm. of that because I, I think that we're all inherently good. Yeah. And I think that I am very fast to forgive. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> I, if I'm not, conscientious of that I think that I can um have some unhealthy boundaries mm -hmm. and give people the benefit of the doubt yeah. probably more than it, than what I should right so that's been a part of my personal uh growing as well is yeah. like recognizing like okay you're you're compromising again mm -hmm. in a place that you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you can just love that person from a distance mm -hmm. you don't have to try to drag them along right yeah. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I had a thought and I just totally lost it. Um, I'm sure it'll come back at some point. I totally wanted to say that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's true. And it's true. Everybody uh, kind of has a purpose. And what is it? Like a reason, a season, and a lifetime is that thing. And we think that everybody's supposed to be lifetime. Mm. But that, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes people are in our lives to serve a specific purpose. Yeah, I, yes. I, I believe that. I believe that with every ounce of my being, and, and you know, we're I'm a, I'm a few years out of my divorce now, and I get to see that. You know, I am happier and healthier than I've ever been, and our girls are, you know, doing great, and their dad is remarried and has a baby, mm -hmm. and that family would have never existed if we would have. Uh, stay together mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that you know everybody should should have the same path that I have but every time I now get to see my girls with their dad and their family it's validation for me mm -hmm. because uh, it's good you know and it's it's they've created something that um, is real and, mm -hmm. and I think that that's that's beautiful yeah that's huge because a lot of people in that same situation they can't see the beauty because they're they're angry or yeah. yeah I mean we were definitely in that stage for a long time it was it was painful we both struggled and we would you know we would take two steps forward and a hundred steps back and you know, it's part of the learning process. And when you don't communicate well as a couple when you're married, mm -hmm. you're going to have those same struggles on the other side too. But right. but as time went by and we both started to open our hearts again to other people, um, it just happened. And, and, you know, there was a lot of, of loving ourselves through that process too mm -hmm. um, and forgiving ourselves. And then we had to keep showing up and trying again for our kids mm -hmm. um, because we both want what's best for our daughters. And so through that, we have created 
something that I don't take for granted, that's for sure, because I know a lot of other people um, that are not blessed with the um, dynamic that we've been able to create, but um, it's it's good and it's healthy. And mm -hmm. we're even talking about having a shared celebration for our daughter that's graduating from right. high school. <laughs> Just even two years ago, I would have never thought that would have been possible. True. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we just kept showing up and kept, just kept apologizing and, and doing whatever we needed to do to take care of our girls. And we probably communicate better now than we ever did as husband and wife because we don't have that unspoken, mm -hmm. like, duty or obligation to each other. We just have it to our girls. And, um, you know, there's compassion there. And I don't mm -hmm. know that we had that when we were married. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm so dang grateful for that. Yes, it's true. Because neither one of you have to worry about meeting the other person's needs right. anymore. I can so, honor him for who he is, mm -hmm. and I don't have this resentment that he can't be who I need him to be. Right. And and we would have never been able to get to that place if we would have stayed married. Mm -hmm. At least I don't think so. And so I'm, I'm at peace with it, and I think, you know, he's at peace with it, and our girls um, you know, we'll even tell you that, that they see it, that they see that both our mom and their dad are happy. And mm -hmm. that's ultimately the message that I was sending to them through this whole process is, um, number one, this isn't about you, but it does impact you. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry for that. But I want, I need to speak my truth and I need to live my mm -hmm. truth. And I would want you to do the same thing. Yeah. I never, ever, ever want my daughters to do things out of duty or obligation. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be able to do the right thing, even if it's the hard thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's, I don't know that we're really taught that very much in mm -hmm. society growing up. No, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't think that that was a message. That was a very clear message. I think there were a lot of, of really unhealthy messages. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I believe most of them. Yeah. Well, yes. And I think the main message goes back to what we were talking about earlier with you. You know, you'll be happy when. Mm. You'll be happy when this happens. You'll be happy when that happens. You'll be happy when you get married is a huge one. Mm -hmm. And I, I really thought that. Mm -hmm. um, and P.S. Heather is the one who introduced me to Nick. <laughs> some days I'm super grateful, and some days, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, but that's one of those, I'll be happy when I get married because this person will fill all of my holes. They will you know, we'll live happily ever after, which is a bunch of BS, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I, and I'm glad that you say that because I could never really put my finger on it, but I always felt like I was waiting for my life to start mm -hmm. my whole life. Mm -hmm. I had like this, I think my senior quote actually said something like my life is like the puzzle that's always missing one piece. Yes, so I, yes. And I don't even know where that came from, but now I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, I, it's because of the choices I was making, right? And like uh -huh. my my mindset about like someday, mm -hmm. you know, it will be perfect. Yeah. And and it honestly, I don't feel that way anymore. I didn't. I don't know exactly when the shift happened. I mean, definitely after um, I moved into my own place. Um, but I, I don't feel like I'm waiting for my life to start anymore. Right. Like I'm yeah. living out loud. And it's so empowering, and I can't imagine not living this way ever again. Mm -hmm. Ever, yeah. Like I can never unbecome. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. You can't unknow. Mm -mm. Yeah, or unsee, or undo <laughs> in a good way. And yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's so crazy because Aubrey and I were going through uh, the yearbook, and I I just recently read your quote. That's like it actually makes more sense to me now than it did back then. Yeah, and yet I wrote I wrote those words. Yeah, it's funny, huh? Mine. She teases me all the time about it. What did yours say? Mine said, "Watch out, world! Here I come! I'm a princess." <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> 
Like, maybe I had more confidence than I remember. See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was always in you. It was. It really was, for sure. And I do feel like I had some people in my childhood who did delight in me. I think my dad mm -hmm. um, and some major core people mm -hmm. that did help. I did have some confidence but I, I had no ability to speak. Right. It was like you were just holding it all inside of you. Right. But but so back to how I, I shared with you that I never knew mm -hmm. like what I what I meant to you specifically or the impact I had on you. I think I can say the same for you. Like I didn't see you the way you saw yourself. Mm. Like I thought you were so you first of all your energy was astounding. Like you were always ready to go first thing in the morning and wanted to just go, 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 go. That is true. And it's still like that. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um, like dang energizer money. But but I just thought you were so fun and kind and uh, like you lived in the country and you weren't afraid to get dirty and you were always just wanting to go and have adventures and I needed that so much. Mm. Um, but I, I even though we were so close to know all of, you know, how deeply uh, you were hurting and mm. I'm sure we talked, you know, we, we were always talking, but mm -hmm. even then, like I didn't have that perspective that you had. I just viewed you as this amazing, beautiful, mm. fun, free spirited <laughs> girl. Thank you. <laughs> you mean when I would call you at 7 a.m. on the weekend and ask you to oh go to the lake? <laughs> uh, I'm still not a morning person. I'm not a morning person either. I don't know. I just wanted you to, wanted to get out of the house and have fun. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But not at 7 in the morning. <laughs> Oh. You'd be like, why are you calling me? <laughs> why? <laughs> so funny. Um, all right. So we've kind of gone through your story, which is beautiful. And I think your story is, is going to be so helpful for so many people also. Um, I think so many women... <laughs> So many women, and I can say this from seeing couples in counseling, um, I wish I had a percentage of couples that I've seen where they come in and the woman is done, completely and utterly done, mm -hmm. um, and the man is just finding out for the first time <sighs> because they have kept it inside mm -hmm. for so long. Or they've been communicating it sometimes, like in your situation, mm -hmm. and the the husband maybe doesn't take it seriously or uh, doesn't really hear. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is really common for women, though, is to do exactly what you said you've done, like stuff it down, mm -hmm. act like it's not there. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think. You know, it's our instinct to protect and to nurture. And sometimes we lose sight of the difference between that and being a martyr. Mm -hmm. And um, you can't, you cannot sustain that. Mm -hmm. um, it will kill your soul and your spirit. And um, it's not what you deserve. And it's not what your children deserve. And, and nor your spouse, honestly. Like, that's, I think, the other piece of this that, I'm so grounded in is you need to trust the process. And if you're being true to you and you are coming from a place of love, then let go mm -hmm. and know that the outcome will be exactly as it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. Like I truly don't believe that if I would have started the process and found the house and left, that if we weren't meant to be together, we wouldn't have found our way back to each other. Mm, yeah. I, I got to a place where I said, what we're doing together as a couple is not loving and it's not working. So if I leave and the dynamic mm -hmm. changes, if we're meant to be together, we will find our way back. Right. That's not what happened. And that was really painful, mm -hmm. but it's right and it's real. Yeah. And so you have to get to this place where you love yourself and, and everybody else enough 
to give up control of what the outcome is, mm-hmm. no matter how scary and hard it is. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. So true in every area of our life. Absolutely. And how it really all does come down to love. And if that's our true motivation in anything, mm-hmm. it really can't turn out badly. Yeah. Or, or wrong. Right. I, I, I know that. I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Well, I could sit here and talk to you forever. (laughs) (laughs) So that just means I have to have you back. Okay. Yes. Um, So before we end, I have to ask you some questions. Okay. So I want to know, what would you say has been the most vital piece or pieces to your growth? Being still and letting the feelings flow and saying to myself over and over and over, no feeling is final Mm. and you're worth it. Mm. That's good. And you just keep showing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and surrounding yourself with the things that are good and important to you and that fill you up with good stuff. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's a combination of loving my body. So physical release is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Going to the gym, doing yoga, paddle boarding, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Reading, reading self-help books or Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And then just surrounding yourself with the people that love you and honor you and allow you to just be wherever you're at in your process mm-hmm. and don't necessarily have to fix it for you yeah. or even say anything, but just be there with you mm-hmm. and just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to just be present in that mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So Last question is, is, do you think, or is, is there anything that you want to make sure that people know? I think it's important for us to remember that we're all in this together and we're all just doing the best we can. And that means something different for all of us. Mm. And if you have the courage to be vulnerable and Keep, keep showing up. I know I keep saying that, but just keep showing up that things will happen as they're meant to happen. And in hindsight, you may laugh about it mm-hmm. or you may recognize like, oh, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and just keep connecting and give yourself some forgiveness so that you can forgive others. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love you. I love you too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a huge piece of my ability to be vulnerable in my growth and really my um, ability to speak my truth. So thanks to you too, Sarah. Uh, I love you. I love you too. (laughs) There you go, my friends. Isn't she just the best? We could talk for hours, but obviously you don't want it to be here for that long. So a major part of Heather's story that we talked about after the recorder was off is where she is today. So I thought I would fill you in a little on that. The past few years for Heather have been about reconnecting with herself, forgiveness, vulnerability, and self-love. She's been having fun with her daughters and friends, traveling, going to concerts, and has fallen in love with Zach, who is a man that honors her and walks beside her. Theirs is not a story of fixing and getting lost in each other, but a story of two whole people joining together to love and play and explore and create. Their motto is, any time in life that you're faced with a decision, If your gut response is not, heck yes, then it's a no. So I hope you found courage and inspiration in this episode to speak your truth and to be vulnerable with those safe, pivotal people in your world. 
So tell one of them, tell one of those people today what they have meant to your life. Until next time, keep speaking, growing, and rising above so you may truly become all the awesomeness that you were created to be.